Welcome to the Commemorate podcast, a series dedicated to highlighting pioneers from our collective history. Some you may know, some you may not. What's important is keeping their memories alive. So spread their stories, their achievements, and share this knowledge with your friends. In this episode, we shine a light on Elizabeth Bessie Coleman, also known as Queen Bess and Brave Bessie. Coleman was an aviator, a pioneer as the first woman of African-American and Native American descent to hold a pilot's license. During her life, she never lost sight of her childhood vow to one day amount to something. Born on 26th of January 1892 in Atlanta, Texas, as one of 13 children, Coleman walked four miles each day to her segregated one-room school. Despite this, she excelled at maths, was granted a scholarship, and went on to university, though sadly had to leave when her savings ran out. Undeterred, Coleman moved to Chicago in 1915, where she took up work and heard stories of World War I pilots and their amazing courage. On the 30th of January 1917, she married Claude Glenn, who was 14 years her senior. In 1919, Coleman was working as a manicurist. Her brother John had served for the army in France during World War I. He would regularly tease his sister about how French women were so liberated that they could even fly planes. During these conversations, he one day announced that black women would never fly. That was the final straw. As retold in the biography Queen Bess, Daredevil Aviator from 1993 by Doris L. Rich, Coleman exclaimed, That's it, she replied, smiling. You just called it for me. At the time, American flight schools would not admit black people or females, so Coleman was encouraged to study abroad. In order to do this, she learned French before traveling to Paris to earn her pilot's license. On the 15th of June, 1921, after only seven months, Coleman earned her license from France's Cordron Brothers School of Aviation. With that, she became the first black woman and first Native American to earn an aviation pilot's license. Not to mention the first black person and first Native American to earn an international aviation license. Riding high, Coleman returned to America only to discover that civil aviators could only make a living through extremely dangerous stunt flying, often referred to as barnstorming. On top of this, no one was willing to teach her the advanced skills necessary. So she returned to Europe and completed an advanced course in aviation. Then she went on to learn from one of the Fokker Corporation's chief pilots. At the time, Anthony Fokker was heralded as one of the most distinguished aircraft designers in the world. Coleman eventually returned to America with a dream to own her own plane and open a flight school. She spoke and showed films of her tricks in theatres and schools to earn money, but never anywhere that was segregated or discriminated. In 1922, she performed the first public flight by an African-American woman. She became famous for doing loop-the-loops, figure-eight stunts, and parachute jumps. While Coleman's reputation grew, she toured giving flight lessons and encouraging other women to fly. Finally, she saved enough to purchase her own plane, a military surplus Curtis JN-4, known as a Jenny. 
In early 1923, Coleman survived her first major crash when the Jenny's engine stopped working. Despite the injuries, she recovered and went back to stunt flying in 1925. As part of this, she returned to Texas to perform. However, the state still enforced segregation and planned two different entrances. Coleman responded by refusing to fly. The managers eventually agreed to a single gate, but that segregated stadium sections would be used. She agreed to fly under these terms. Not a total victory, but a moral one for her values. In 1926, she purchased another Jenny, although increasingly her lecture circuit was becoming a more successful and far safer part of her life. To make matters worse, this Jenny had previously been poorly maintained. Ignoring friends' concerns, she decided to put on a new show. Sadly, while on a practice flight where Coleman, as a passenger, was checking parachute drop sites, she was thrown out. It was discovered a wrench had been left behind and become stuck in the engine, causing the plane to suddenly nosedive and spin. Coleman, at only 34 years old, died instantly from the fall on 30th of April 1926. The plane then crashed, killing the pilot, William Wills, instantly. The mainstream press barely noted Coleman's death, focusing instead on Wills, who was white. Despite this, over 10,000 mourners attended her funeral ceremonies, which was led by activist Ida B. Wells. Queen Bess's legacy lives on down the ages. In 1931, the Chicago-based Challenger Pilots Association started a tradition of flying over her grave every year. Then, in 1977, the African-American women pilots formed the Bessie Coleman Aviators Club, in 1992, Mae Jemison, the first African-American female astronaut, carried Coleman's picture on her first space mission. Finally, in 2001, Coleman was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame, and five years later, the National Aviation Hall of Fame. Her pioneering life means that Bessie Coleman's scholarship awards are still being granted to students planning careers in aviation to this day. And so, in closing, we commemorate Bessie Coleman. Thank you for listening. The Commemorate Podcast. Read by Adam Roach. Written by Andy Case. Edited by Tom Austin Morgan. Follow us on Twitter at CommemoratePod1. And don't forget... Five-star reviews will help keep these histories alive. Thank you.